Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. Today, I'm talking to Mara Glotzel. She's an author, intuitive coach, and host of the podcast, Needy. Mara helps humans stop abandoning themselves and start reclaiming their humanity through embracing their needs and honoring their natural energy rhythms. Her superpower is saying what you need to hear when you need to hear it. And she is here to help us believe in ourselves as much as she believes in us. Her new book is Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Claim Your Sovereignty. Welcome, Mara. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. I was just telling Mara before it started that my progress through this book was somewhat slowed that I was stopping to circle, <laughs> underline, transcribe, Seriously, like this book is what I need right now. You say this book is for those of us who have needs, especially those of us who pretend we don't. I identify as a member of that group of people, as probably does everybody listening. Why is that? Why do we do this to ourselves? Yeah, what has been so funny about this book is that I didn't intend it this way, but just the title has become this litmus test for whether or not the book is for you, because people have feelings about the word needy. And either because we feel like we're way too much or because we have, you know, needs, I don't know them. I push them far away somewhere to the back of my life. And this happens for so many reasons, but ultimately we receive so many messages over the course of our lives about what it means to have needs and how that makes us appear to other people and how that impacts our sense of belonging or contribution or success. And with all of that messaging and that conditioning, it is little wonder that this is a supercharged topic for people. I think especially for moms, it's really hard to prioritize your needs as a mom. There just seems to be a multitude of messaging that is geared directly towards this idea that moms sacrifice themselves and that's what it means to do a good job. And if you're not doing that, you're not a good mom, which is so painful. The needs that you prioritize are the needs of everybody around you and everybody always needs something, right? And that is what being a mom is to start worrying about other people before yourself. I'm thinking about like the Easter Sunday when my kids were little, I had three kids under five and like I get them all in their cute outfits for Easter Sunday and I have nothing that fits because I'm in, you know, the postpartum time where none of my clothes fit me and hadn't thought about what I was going to wear to church on Easter Sunday. It's a small, but that's it, right? It's like that all day, every day. Yeah. Or what am I going to eat? 
What am I <laughs> feeding myself? Am I just eating things off of my kids' plates or, you know? Yeah. That's being a good wife, mother, sister. That's the point you make in the book, right? That's part of the assignment is to self-abnegate like that. Yeah. And that conditioning is, it comes at you from every angle. And it can be so challenging, even as you're burnt out, even as you're drowning in it, to pull yourself out and say, I need to matter here. You know, everything is falling apart because I haven't been advocating for myself. I haven't been prioritizing myself. And also that that's what I'm teaching my kids to do. That's the piece that gets me and kind of keeps me up at night is what am I teaching my daughters about what it looks like to be a mother? You know, I take it as a high compliment that both of them talk about wanting to be mothers all of the time. I'm like, well, you must think I must make it look like it's a pretty good gig. That's good. Yeah. You, that's what you want for your life. But in that, I'm always thinking about well, what kind of mother do I want you to be? What lessons do I want you to learn about what it means to certainly take care of the people in your life who you love, but also to consider yourself amongst the people that you love? Because if you don't, everything falls apart. I'm going to give you another quote that I like circled and triple underlined. You said, this book is for those of us trying to tend to our needs in the hidden corners of our lives. So we do sort of like, it does sort of creep in sometimes the messaging, like I'm, I kind of need to take care of myself a little bit here, but I have to do it over here in the corner at midnight, five o'clock in the morning, right? Where nobody can see it. What do we think that's part of it? Yeah. The amount of mothers who I talk to who are trying to wake up earlier to have some sort of morning routine before their children wake up are many, 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 many. And Yes, absolutely. Sometimes the reality of your situation is that there's nobody to ask for help or there's no way to tap out and get five minutes to brush your teeth or wash your face or do whatever it is that you need. That is true. But by and large, we're not asking for that time and we're not believing that we deserve it either because our kids' needs are so high or because we're a stay-at-home parent and we feel some kind of way about what that means to that it's our job to be there for our kids all of the time and never have a break. And it's complicated. But what I do know is this is when I became a mother, my needs mattered more and not less because my kids mattered. All of a sudden I had these two children that matter to me more than anything else in my life. And I want to be as present and emotionally regulated and fun and loving towards them as I possibly can. And that corners of my life piece, what it showed up for me is I was expecting the most of myself without giving anything to myself, anything that I needed in order to be emotionally regulated, in order to be present with my kids. And it took noticing, hey, when I just get out of bed, my three-year-old jumps on me and I just kind of launch into my day. The puppy needs to go out. Things need to happen. And I don't take a minute to get dressed. I call, I no longer live in an upstairs, downstairs, but I always call them my downstairs pajamas, which is like some sort of a leisure wear situation. <laughs> but to get dressed and to like put on a bra, all of these things dramatically impact my capacity to be patient and present with my kids then in that time before they go to school. And that matters. It doesn't take a ton of 
time or energy to prioritize yourself in small ways. But I find that by and large, parents that I talk to are operating under the story of, oh, I'll take care of myself on the other side of. Right. Once she's in kindergarten, once he's potty trained, once. (laughs) Which could be a decade of your life. Yes, yes. Speaking from the other side, I have kids in college. Yes, yes, it can be very far in the advancing. It's sort of like, let me just get this kid's driver's license behind us, whatever. Yeah, there's always something. And you make the point in the book that we do this to ourselves, like this can wait, this can happen only at 4.30 in the morning if I can manage to get up that early once in a while, while the needs of people around us are allowed to be non-negotiable. We will continue to serve those people's needs. My partner's need to you know, work out three days a week or play golf or see friends for book club for dinner or whatever it is we will further sort of put our own needs off because the needs of our eight-year-old or our spouse, those are non-negotiable. It's just our stuff that needs to wait. Absolutely. And this was hard for me to learn because I had been taught or had picked up somewhere along the way that if my needs mattered, somebody else would prioritize them for me, right? Somebody would read my mind, just know what I needed, redirect me back to myself, say something like, oh, you've been working so hard. Why don't you rest now? Why don't you take a nap? Why don't you take care of yourself? Which never happened. And so I was operating under this belief of, oh, I must not, my needs must not be that important. Nobody seems to be that concerned about my needs, so they must not matter while not realizing that I needed to be the advocate for my needs. I needed to be the driving force. And I needed to be the person that when I said I was going to do something for myself, I was the one who decided what was non-negotiable. Because what I was doing was saying, oh, I'll do that later. Or, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Or, oh, oh, oh. Until that overwhelming crush of a feeling that I haven't done anything that I said I was going to do. I've gone completely unattended to, and everyone else is just taking me on my word. If I say it's okay, that's my job. That's my boundary to say what is okay and what's not. And it's not somebody else's job to say, hey, Mara, you said you were going to do that thing for yourself. Now's the time, right. even though I was doing that for other people, right? That was another piece where I could reclaim some energy around. It's not my job to be my partner's boss. It's not my job to make sure that they're getting their self-care in or whatever it is that I'm micromanaging. My job is my care. My job is my needs. And whether or not I'm pushing them to the side is an inside job. So the book starts, Mara, with your partner sort of saying to you in this aha moment, like, you need to ask for the things you need. Your partner is saying, I'm going to need these, you know, to get these dozen things done in the next two weeks. And I'm paraphrasing here. And you sort of like, well, like, what about me and my needs? And your partner is like, well, what about you and your needs? Like, show up, name them, own them. And that was when you realized that you needed to start doing this work. Do I have that right? Yeah. In that moment, I was so mad. (laughs) And well, because what was happening was that I had never been pressed up against the edges of my life in such a way that I couldn't just deal with it. You know, up until that point before I had children, I had more corners to tend to myself in. Then all of a sudden I had this five week old baby. I had a really long and challenging birth that I was healing from and a whole host of postpartum mood stuff going on. 
And I couldn't even figure out what to ask for. It was that overwhelming feeling of, I'm so snowed in. I don't even know what I need. I don't even have time to figure out what I need. I need you to help me. And my partner saying to me that, you know, this is, you're always saying it's fine. Obviously, it's not fine. So, you know, what do you want? What do you need? And for me, the realization that I had been expecting and anticipating that somebody else would do for me what I was unable or unwilling to do for myself was a tough pill to swallow, but was medicine that I needed to come into right relationship with myself and to change the way that I was showing up. And this was uncomfortable. I mean, that conversation was great, but I will say that subsequent conversations with my partner around me asking for what I needed haven't gone as well because, you know, it turns out they were really benefiting from me doing all of the things all of the time. And once I got to the understanding of, oh, this isn't great for me. And also not all of these things are my job or my responsibility. So here you go. Here's your stuff back. It was uncomfortable, but I think that time is so necessary. And when we come into right relationship with ourselves and take responsibility for our needs, people can trust us. Because when we say yes, we mean yes. You know, when I say I have the capacity and interest to do that, I'm definitely following through. And before when I was operating in that people pleasing way, I was saying yes all the time. And I mostly came through, but at my own expense, and then ultimately would burn out. And it was this roller coaster ride. Yeah. We're talking to Mara Glotzel. She is the author of the new book, Needy. We'll have much more about this when we come back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get 
$100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, Lumen dot me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. I want to follow up on something you were saying at the end of the first segment, Mara, that this is something else that I circled that you wrote in the book, moments that are uncomfortable or challenging as you start to show up for what you need and name it. Moments that are uncomfortable or challenging doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It isn't time to turn back, time to go back to the way things were. You need to partner with yourself in the discomfort. I loved this. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone in learning to read my discomfort as meaning I took a wrong turn somewhere. I, you know, need to go back. I need to read another book or listen to some podcasts. I need to just, you know, reformulate how I'm doing things. And so I was stuck in this start, stop, start, stop pattern because change is uncomfortable. And when you're trying to approach your life in a different way and you're trying to ask for what you need, when you're trying to receive what you've asked for, these are new skills and they are guaranteed to be uncomfortable. And a lot shifted for me when I was able to ask myself to get curious, what do I need when I'm uncomfortable? Instead of stopping and pulling back and starting again to really meet myself in that discomfort and say, hey, this makes perfect sense. Doing something new or for the first time is uncomfortable. Doing something the first couple times that you've been well conditioned not to do is very uncomfortable. What supports you when you're feeling uncomfortable? And maybe that's talking to a friend about it or writing in a journal or taking a shower or going to therapy. The multitude of supports are many, but giving yourself what you need in that space of discomfort instead of walking it back. Because I think for so many of us, we ask for what we need and it is so uncomfortable that we want to take it back. We wish we didn't say it. I remember the first time that I really did this. Again, my oldest was a baby and I had been getting up and doing all of the night everythings. And there was just this one night where it was like I had fed her and fed her and fed her and she was just didn't want to go to sleep. And I was so tired. And I woke my partner up and 
you know, said, she has everything that she needs. Can you just be with her for a little bit of time? I'm so tired. And they, of course, said yes, not a problem. But I was lying there in that bed, perfectly awake, totally (laughs) awake, the baby screaming, just running myself through this process of why did I ask? Why did I bother them? Why couldn't I have done it? Why, 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 why? Wanting to take it back. And I remember that moment so clearly. I had my hands kind of like stuck underneath my legs and was just willing myself to stay there and receive what I had asked for. Because that's surprising for us. I think we want things, but then when it comes to receiving them, receiving can be uncomfortable too. Mm -hmm. And that also takes practice. So there is this tandem piece of asking for what you need and then being in the space after being with the discomfort of allowing somebody to do something to support you. What's the difference between something that you need and something that you want as you start to articulate, what are my needs? So I like to think about a need is something that you require in order to exist or thrive in your relationships, including your relationship with yourself. And something that you want is something that you desire in order to exist and thrive in your relationships. And it is easy to try to put these into a hierarchy and say, well, I have about this much time. So, you know, what's going to give me the biggest bang for my buck? (laughs) That's the thing I got to go for. (laughs) The biggest need fulfillment in these next 15 minutes, right? Yeah. But that actually what I find is that what is most satisfying is when those two pieces work in concert with one another where the need is the what and the want is the how. Okay. So say what I need is breakfast, just for a really simple example. What I need is breakfast. And the want is what I want for breakfast very specifically. And you may want to, I don't know, have your favorite omelet from your favorite restaurant. And that might be inaccessible for you in that moment. But you could make some kind of facsimile omelet in your house. And that would be, you know, maybe a less glamorous version of what you want, but still in that same vein. And this is how they work together, where the need is kind of, you know, I have a need to know that I matter to you in a relationship, right? To feel seen. And how I want specifically to feel seen is that when I'm talking to you, you put down your phone and you look up at me and make eye contact. And for somebody else that may not bother them quite so much, that bothers me deeply. (laughs) So the want is the personalization part. We all have shared needs. We need to belong. We need to feel safe. We need rest. We need sustenance. We need love. We need celebration. But how the want hooks in is really delicious because the want is keyed into that. This is the particular flavor that I personally desire for this. And so you can play with that in really simple ways over the course of the day. You know, what do I need right now and how do I want it? And, you know, we may have wants that, you know, feel bigger or bolder than what we have time or energy resources for. We may have needs that feel the same way. This work is not about getting all of your needs met all of the time, but it is about allowing your needs to have a soft landing place inside of you and to acknowledge, hey, you know, I have a myriad of needs and I'm going to do my best 
There are going to be seasons of your life. Look, I have, you know, as I said, a three and a six-year-old. There are needs that I have that are not going to be met right now Mm -hmm. because my house is chaotic and it's full and I have a puppy and there's all of these different things going on that won't, the circumstances won't be the same in four or five years. So not all of our needs are accessible, but I think we may have this habit of shutting ourselves down or self-censoring or judging our needs as they arise because they're inconvenient. And we can do such beautiful healing work in our relationship with ourselves to even put things into context and say, hey, yeah, I have a need for going away with my spouse for a week to reconnect and, you know, have an experience, an adventure. That is not going to happen right now. So what is possible within the context of my life right now? How can I have, you know, maybe thinking about it on a dial, a smaller portion that's still in that same vein of what I'm desiring? So Mar, you have a quiz on your website. We'll put the link in the show notes for this because I took the quiz. If you're sort of, I know I have needs, but I need more sleep. Like besides that, I'm not sure what they are. So you take this quiz. It's very fun to walk through. And it gave back to me that I needed sustenance. And there's, I think there's safety, there's connection, there's several different answers you can get. Is this like a love language? Like I'm always going to be the kind of person that will probably need sustenance. And by the way, when I took this quiz and I looked at this, like, oh, this resonates. This is definitely a path I could walk down and learn a lot about myself. Am I a sustenance kind of person? Or is it again, like this season of my life is sustenance. And then five years from now, I could be a person who really needs to explore my need for connection. Does it kind of change? Our needs do change over the course of our lives. And also, some things remain the same. You know, I think that aspects of our needs are more up depending on where we are and what's on our plate. But for me personally, sustenance is a core need of mine. 99% of my problems can be solved by having stable blood sugar. That is a fact that I've learned about myself. And that remains true over the course of my life. I am hypersensitive to swings in my blood sugar. And that makes, you know, my relationships are going off kilter, my mood's all over the place. Now my work is affected. Now my regulation with my kids is affected, right? So there is this thread for me that if there's only one thing I can pay attention to, it's how and when I'm feeding myself. And I can know that by and large, by just doing that one thing, I am taking care of myself in a multitude of ways. For some people, it's a high sleep need. For other people who are really extroverted, it's a feeling of connection. And that doesn't mean that we don't all have all of these needs because we do, but there may be needs that are overwhelmingly present for us just based on our, you know, unique physiology and lived experience up until now that really direct us towards a certain part of our lives and tell us, hey, you know, you got to keep an eye on this. Things fall apart if I don't get enough rest. If I only do one thing for myself, getting as much rest as possible is going to have the biggest impact all in, which can be nice to know because we're spread thin and we want to know where to start. We want to know where to get the most bang for our buck. And that's human. We're talking to Mara Glatzel. She is the author of Needy, and we'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence 
whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Something else you brought up in this book that I wanted to make sure to address. We should do this work because we should, right? Not because I'm a better mommy when I get enough sleep, but because I'm a human being who needs sleep. That's enough of a reason. And we always try to reinforce that for our listeners, that the changes that you might consider are worth doing for yourself, not just for other people. However, you talk about in this book, and I hadn't really considered this, that when you don't address your needs, it negatively impacts people around you and not just the people that you live with, but the people sort of below you and whatever hierarchies you might exist within. So can you walk us through that? Yeah, it is. You know, I wanted to address the idea that sometimes self-care has talked about this as this privileged thing or navel gazing or something that is nice to have. And when we're thinking about the self-care that I talk about here, the self-care of meeting your needs is the necessary work of caring for yourself so that you have the capacity to live your life and do all of the things that you want to do with your time and your energy. And also that how you are in relationship with yourself determines how you are in relationship with everyone around you. I can't tell you the number of times where I've spoken to women who have said, I'm so much harsher. I'm so much more judgmental of myself than I am of anyone else. And I kind of doubt that. <laughs> I think we're conditioned to know better than to say that we're judging other people. Yeah. But that those inhumane expectations that we have of ourselves are actually quite pervasive. And, you know, those high expectations we're holding ourselves to that we can't live up to, we're also holding other people to, and they can't live up to them either. 
And so the, when we can do this work of allowing ourselves to be the humans that we are and softening into sometimes the discomfort or the frustration or the grief of coexisting with our humanity, the better capacity we have for being understanding for all of the people in our lives. Look, I run a business. I have a multitude of people who work with me in different ways. And if I wasn't allowing myself to be the human that I was, I wouldn't be in a position to understand that the people who work with me and for me have needs. And it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be exactly on schedule. It's not always going to be exactly the way that we want it. And that the work that I do with myself impacts how much space I have for understanding that we're all doing the best that we can. We're trying really hard and sometimes stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is really important to understand how there is a global impact to this work. There is a piece of it that touches all of our relationships and in terms of what we can expect for from other people and allowing more humane and human standards, but also when it comes to forming authentic connection and having that emotional honesty in our relationships, if we're not willing to be emotionally honest with ourselves about what we want and need, it's impossible to do that in our relationships. And we all want to be known and we want to be seen and we want to be loved for exactly as we are. And if we aren't allowing people to know us, which is really hard to do if you're not taking that time for self-reflection and self-connection, then we're never going to get that feeling. And I think that by and large, we feel pretty lonely and we want to be seen. We want somebody to see how hard we're working. And that is something that we can offer first to ourselves and then bring that emotional honesty into our relationships. That's like the first step, as you say in the book, is self-responsibility, that you're responsible for your own care, right? And that means, I guess, sort of exploring, to use your example of like, maybe I am sort of holding people to higher standards than I realize. We can be kind of looked in the fog. I'm too hard on myself, but there might be an others. They're picking up on that. Even if you don't perceive that, that doesn't mean they're not. But on the other hand, there can be other things that you've been told about yourself that are true about yourself that are assigned to you. That can also be your work to say, like, that's actually not part of me and it never was or it doesn't have to be. And how do you sort of decide which is which as you go through this? So I think that there is a certain amount of work that's associated with building an authentic relationship with yourself. There's some unlearning that has to happen and there's some learning that has to happen. And they're sort of happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to that unlearning, we all, you know, being humans who are growing up and being raised inside of a patriarchal and white supremacist structure, we are learning things about ourselves as it relates to what we are allowed to need, what we are allowed to want, what we are allowed to ask for, and our sexual identity, our gender identity, the size of our body, you know, whether we're disabled or not, all of these things have impacts on our self-image because we are taught to see ourselves in a certain way in relation to them. And then that impacts what we understand that we're allowed to ask for. Mm. So there is this fair amount of unlearning that 
goes to see, you know, for example, as a woman who grew up in a bigger body, who is queer, there are so many parts of me that I learned to apologize for and apologize for on such a subconscious level. Because how this might be happening is just doing a little bit more, doing a little bit extra, being more of service. So there may be things that I have to unlearn that there's nothing wrong with me as I am. And that suppressing my needs isn't this apology that I'm giving to the world for what? For being what? Right? (laughs) And this learning piece of, okay, well, what am I even allowed to need? You know, one of the reasons that I wrote this book is because I found that many of my clients would say, I would say, well, what do you need? And they would just, well, what's on the table? I mean, I don't know what's reasonable to ask for. What am I allowed to need? I don't have any role models for this. I don't have any scripts for this. And so being in good community around talking about, hey, I have these needs or this is how I feel. You know, I think we're coming a long way. It's my hope that we're coming a long way because mothers really need spaces in particular where we can talk about what's really going on with us. It's one of the reasons this podcast is so fantastic because it's such a resource for so many people to hear you guys just talking about your experiences in an open and honest way. And the more that we hear people talking about what they need in an open and honest way, the more that we have this format for, well, it's not too much to say, hey, after we have a fight, can we have a moment of repair? Because I feel like these fights just get thrown into the abyss and you act like you're fine and I'm not fine. Can we have a hug? You know, these things aren't too much to ask for. We've been talking to Mara Glatzel. She is the author of Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Claim Your Sovereignty. Mara, I'm sure all of our listeners have been nodding their heads this whole time. So tell us where they can find your podcast, you, your book, and all of your work. Yeah, come hang out. You can find me at maraglatzel.com, which is where you'll find the quiz and the book. And you can come hang out with me on Instagram at Mara Glatzel. Okay, we'll put the links to all of that in the show notes. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you today, Mara. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel 
real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep. Oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.